We're turning tonight in God's Word to the book of Isaiah, the chapter 43. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. Reading from verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I give Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and see before thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes, and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this, and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses, that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed, when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am He. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as two. 
Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the isles, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offering, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance, let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father hath sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. Amen. But we know the Lord will add His blessing onto the reading of His Word in our hearing tonight. Let's bow together again, please, in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, as we bow before Thee, we come as a needy people. We come knowing that our need can only be supplied by Thyself. We thank Thee that we're encouraged to read in this chapter, this people, have I made for myself. They shall show forth my praise. And Thou hast said that if these should hold their peace, and they weren't, they were praising, but even if they should, then the very stones would cry out. Thou wilt never be without praise, honor, glory. No matter what the world is saying, and we heard them, some of them, on the radio today, and now with all of the pathetic attention to the change of pronouns and neutralizing of individuals trying to take the he away from God. But thou hast told us that thy glory thou wilt not give to another, that thou wilt stand up and vindicate thine own honor, and that those who would twist Scripture to their own destruction Well, that's the city they'll arrive at. They'll not get out of the place that in the pilgrim's progress, Christian got out of and then his family got out of. They'll just stay in the city of destruction and never 
breathe a word of praise in the celestial city. Lord, we pray for them. Pray the devil deliver them out of the snare of the devil because they're clearly taken captive by him at his will. The double deliver our country from this sordid mess. And the double again reign righteously and obviously in our land. For Jesus' sake, for thy glory, for our good, for our family's good, we ask it in thy name. Amen. The promise that we're turning to tonight, right at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 43, so verse 1, and touching down to, at least briefly, verse 3 as well, is one that is very familiar to all of God's people. If I thought for a moment that none of us tonight, or even one of us out of the number we have, was not familiar with this promise at the beginning of Isaiah 43, I'd be telling you, read it over and over and over again. Digest it. Soak thoroughly the words right into your soul and your spirit. For this is certainly God's promise for us, for His people. It'll help us, it'll buoy us up, and it'll carry us through the deep waters of affliction and of adversity. And so we read here in Isaiah 43, the verse 1 to 3, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. Dating away back 700 years before the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We find here a promise that has been fulfilled in its day, fulfilled in every generation since, and is being fulfilled right now. We can lay claim to it, and it does look to us to reach out, stretch out with the empty hands of faith, and say, that word, Lord, I want to see that fulfilled in my life as well. A promise that we can undoubtedly plead, lean upon it, and why should we not? Our Lord has given us many wonderful promises. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 and 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. And they've not just been scattered like somebody coming out and maybe out of a bank and you've got well, you don't have pine notes any time soon here, but uh, dollars, whatever, and just take paper money and sprinkle it in the air and let it float there, and maybe some people can grab and put it in their back pocket and say, well, it's really been favorable for me here today, but some will no doubt go down a drain or be carried away further than anybody can reach. The promises of God are not sprinkled around like that as though some will be fulfilled and others will not ever be banked. There's a guarantee of fulfillment for every last one of them. And in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, we have that guarantee. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So here is God, and He is keen ultra-keen to fulfill His own Word. 
to answer the terms of his own promise. They will glorify him. He knows that. And in the form of the Lord Jesus, his death in Calvary, his righteous life, we have all of the guarantee we need. God's promises, they are solid and they are secure. So we're noting from the verses that we're highlighting here tonight, number one, the people addressed. The people here who are addressed, who are they? Well, if you look at the final three words in Isaiah 43 in the verse 1, thou art mine. So the Lord's addressing His own people, those who particularly belong to Him. Thou art mine. And every true Christian belongs to the Lord in a threefold sense. We are His by creation. Don't we have that here? Isaiah 43 and verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. So I and you tonight are God's property because He made us. And we can call in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and that's a big part of the modern battleground. When God made us, how did He make us? How many sexes were there? What was His plan for mankind? We go right back to Genesis chapter 1, and yes, the Bible is to be taken. In all the places where it can be, it is to be taken literally. God means what He says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. We're told in John chapter 1 and verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Then in Colossians 1 and 16, Paul says, For by Him, that is, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Evolution comes along, bounces onto the scene, denies our origin as coming from the hand of God. And we rather were spawned along a line that had chimpanzees and apes in it together and came from this common ancestor some indeterminate time in past history. Now that absolves us of responsibility because we can say, well, you can't really charge me with blame because I'm living like an animal because that's originally where I have come from and I can't help the animal in me. Evolution. God says you were created. And that gives man purpose. And that doesn't take man off the hook. It puts him on the hook of responsibility to God. He is a creature by design. A person of purpose. We are His by creation. But notice also we are His by redemption. Isaiah 43 and 1 again, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. So I'm God's property because He has made me, fashioned me, He has formed me, but also He has gone after me when I strayed into sin, when I capsized in corruption, and He has redeemed me, paid the price for me, bought me back, 
purchase me, which is why with joy we can sing, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Paul again tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and verse 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then Peter comes in, 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I am his by creation. I am also his by redemption. William Cushing had that thought in his mind when he wrote, under his wings I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me, and I am His child, His by creation, His also by redemption. But these people that He's speaking to, they are also His by election. Look at the final part of Isaiah 43 and 1. But now thus saith the Lord, all of it reads, that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Long before our Lord created the earth and everything that is in it, he purposed that we should be his. We read later in the chapter, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. I'm his because he made me. I'm his because he redeemed me. I'm his because he chose me. That's the order of redemption. John 15, verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Then there's two words sealing it. In verse 3 of Isaiah 43, For I am the Lord, thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And he's saying expressly there, Thou art mine, I am thine, his forever, only his, who the Lord and me shall part. Ah, with what a rest of bliss! Christ can fill the loving heart, heaven and earth, will fade and flee. Firstborn light in gloom decline, but while God and I shall be, I am His, and He is mine. So we are His by creation, by redemption, by election. So therefore, when we come to this phrase that we have highlighted right at the beginning, Isaiah 43 and 1, Thou art mine, we know this threefold cord cannot and will not be quickly broken. The people at rest. Then the pathway traversed. The pathway traversed. You and I will never read in Scripture and we'll certainly never discover it by experience that the Christian life is an easy life. 
Those who maybe on a television screen and playing to their audience and looking for a lot of money to come in, who are promising if you just sign up to Jesus Christ, the pathway is prosperous, decked with those five-pound notes and everything else. The more you give, the more you're going to receive. God will multiply your gift. Well, they're really leading people up the garden path, aren't they? It's not plain sailing. It is not a bed of roses. It is not a cozy existence that we live out joyfully all the time on a pillow-padded path. Not a chance of it. And these words in Isaiah 43 underline that very plainly. Sometimes we feel the heat. Other times, the dampness. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And notice something here, the inevitability about it all. It is not if perchance there comes a time when you might pass by this way. It is when thou passest, because here's another guarantee you're going to come this way. When thou passest. Another notion that needs to be killed stone dead is the thought that those that live closest to the Lord, they're favored in such a way that they will get a free pass away from trial a lot of testing, and it's only really those who have wandered off the path that end up treading water in the river and end up getting really scorched by the fire. God has His favorites. All His people are His favorites. And in Hebrews 12 and verse 6, yes, we do read, it is whom the Lord loveth that He chasteneth. Trial is inevitable for the child of God. And we're not only talking about chastening here just in the regular run of business. You could be living really close to God. And then a huge difficulty comes. Back in Deuteronomy 8, the verse 2 and 3, we're told, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. These forty years were worthy in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And so God there is telling us, here's the reason behind the wilderness. It was not aimless wandering. God had a purpose in all of that. In fact, multiple purposes, and He mentions them here. He tells us by way of warning in John 16, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. 
Again, the word is emphasized in Philippians 1.29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. That's not for those who are straying off the path and then crippled so that they'll limp their way back again. It is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Again, Hebrews 12, 6-11 gives a similar course. First Peter 4, 12 and 13 talks about a fiery trial that is to try you, and that's almost the New Testament equivalent of what we have here in Isaiah 43, the flood and the flame. Notice the inspiration that we have along the pathway. It's divinely ordered and divinely ordained. I have no idea where the next band is going to come, but the Lord knows the complete track from the beginning right through to the end. Speaking to His people here, as He looks ahead into the future for them, He says, you're going to pass through the water and through the fire. You will be called upon to hit and experience extremes. And maybe you're saying, well, yeah, that's where I am right now. That's where I feel I have been recently. Well, let's take comfort in this, that God knows everything about the pathway. Every turn and every twist and every hump and even every pebble that's there, every wave He knows, every spark He realizes all about it, every flame that's aired, every depth, every boost in the temperature, He knows it and has divinely ordered and ordained it. And that's what kept Job afloat when everything else was falling apart around him. And even his wife was telling him, get this whole thing over with, just curse God and die. Job 23 and 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, tested me, I shall come forth as gold. The psalmist in Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. George Mueller, who founded five great orphan houses on Ashley Down in Bristol, he knew what it was to walk close to the Lord. He also knew what it was to be almost left hanging there in suspension when he was waiting for the next answer to prayer. He knew what it was to depend upon the Lord for the daily needs of not just himself, but hundreds of boys and girls. And he used to say, when he looked at Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Mueller said, yes, and not only the steps, Sometimes also the stops of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. In other words, there are times when we've just shuddered to a halt, and we don't know the way forward, and we can't see any path that we can take to go forward. Well, Mueller's saying sometimes even the stops of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord pretty sure we don't have the hymn in our hymn book. 
But I like the assurance that flows through this hymn writer's words, I know my heavenly Father knows. The storms that would my way oppose, but He can drive the clouds away and turn my darkness into day. I know my heavenly Father knows the balm I need to soothe my woes, and with His touch of love divine, He heals this wounded soul of mine. He knows, He knows the storms that would my way oppose. He knows, He knows, and He tempers every wind that blows. It's a divinely ordered and ordained pathway, but notice the intensity in it because it's very rough and rugged and tough as well. When, in verse 2, we're told here in Isaiah 43, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And so, Here's the intensity building, waters and rivers and fire and flames, and we're getting to an extremely severe pitch here. Those experiences we cannot escape. A pathway of varied testing. Notice also, not only the inspiration along it, but the intensity in it, and also the individuality about it. There's a different path for each of God's children. Now, I know you can come across some sad circumstance in your life, and then someone else, and you have known nothing about their experience, but they'll come to you and shake you by the hand and shed a tear along with you, and they'll say, we know how you feel, because what has just happened to you happened to us. Maybe 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But still, there is a different path for each of God's children. Your experience isn't going to be an absolute photocopy of mine. I was going to say carbon copy, but again, that would reveal with another pointer to my age group. we go different ways. We may pass through the fire, but not the water, vice versa, through the water, not the fire. Some will pass through both fire and water. Some will go through the fire and then more fire where the flames are really leaping up. Some will go into the water and then that water just threatens to submerge them completely in the field. We're in the floods here, a multitude of waters around us, and we only need to scan just a cursory glance over the book of the Psalms and we drop in here and drop in there and pick up another line here. We see the psalmist there, and he's going through all whole variety of trials and testings and all the emotions that come with that and the feelings of being abandoned and yet hoping in God and finding yourself lifted by His power. And I guess if we stop right here and said, right, let's get down to prayer at this point, it'll be quite depressing. But that's not where our text stops. We have the people addressed and the pathway traversed. 
But notice the promise guaranteed. The promise that is guaranteed. And as you examine Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3, you'll find there's a fourfold promise that God makes to His people here. He promises the security of His property. Are you going through the waters? Do you feel the flames of fire leaping around you? Are you almost overwhelmed by it all? And you're crying out in dread and in fear. God says, verse 1, Thou art mine. Mine by creation, as we've noted. Mine by redemption. Mine by election. Do you really think that I am going to lose the property? that costs me so much, and that is so precious to me. Not one of them is lost. Thou art mine. The security of His property. Notice also the adequacy of His protection. Verse 2 again in Isaiah 43, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. But, Lord, my situation is desperate. I don't see a way out. It may well be desperate. We don't question that. But the Lord will not allow it to overcome us. I think again of another promise, New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 10 and the verse 13, there hath no temptation or trial taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that we, that ye may be able to bear it. So out of every one of those buildings, God puts us in. There's a fire escape. There's a ladder by the bank to take us away from the flood. Desperate, but we will not drown. The security of His property, the adequacy of His protection, two parts of the promise— the third part of the promise is the constancy of His presence. Isaiah 43 and 2, look at that again. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. You're not going in alone. You will never be abandoned. It may feel like that, but here's the promise. I will be with thee. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. That's the part of the sentence there that comes together, and we need to keep it together. When all of these things happen, where will God be? Where is God? When these things are happening to His people, where is God? Well, God is where He always is, with His people. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. You can't read that, can you, without 
flicking over in your mind into the early chapters of Daniel. And you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you have not even a hair of their head being singed as they go through the fire in the pathway that God had marked out, appointed for them. And even more wonderful is the fact that present with them, right in the depth of that fiery furnace, you have the form of the fourth. Like the Son of God, Jesus was with them in their time of need. When thou passest through, I will be with thee. Spurgeon said, The refiner is never far from the mouth of the furnace when his gold is in the fire. And the Son of God is always walking in the flames when His holy children are cast in them. The Son of God is always walking in the flames. You're not abandoned. You're not alone. I will be with thee. Those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, their situation spelled out in detail in Luke chapter 24, and out of their experience to Him, abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless. Oh, abide with me. And he says, yes, I will. I will be with thee. And the fourth and final part of this promise, the realization of his purpose, God has a purpose in everything that happens to His children. That's made clear in Romans 8, 28, is it not? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We don't always see it. Oftentimes we can't make head or tail of it. But that purpose is being fulfilled, and one day it will be revealed. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So it is passing through, not passing into, and then dot, 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 everything is lost. You're forgotten about, never seen again, lost without trace, missing person. Where has he gone? Man overboard, woman in the fire, incinerated. It doesn't happen. Through, through, through. Yes, you go down into, but what a comfort to know we are going through. We are coming out the other side. And the further we travel along the pathway of testing, the nearer we're getting to the fullness of God's blessing, and of course, ultimately to His glory. But we'll have been enriched and refined and sanctified because we have come through. The steel that suffers the most is the best steel. 
It's been in the furnace. It's been on the anvil. It's been well battered. It's in the jaws of the vice. It's been heated and hammered and filed until it hardly knows itself. But it comes out a splendid knife, fit for purpose. And as we go through, behold, God says, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument. That's God's promise. And we can rely tonight upon that unbreakable, unshakable Word. Yes, we do take God's Word literally. Yes, we do lean upon His promise. And we do because we have proved it in the past. And we intend to further prove it in the present. And if God gives us time in the future, then, then too. And notice how he signs off. And getting the promises that we have here, are we on a firm footing? Well, what do you think? Verse 3, 4. All that I've just said, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And resting not in my power or my ingenuity or my forward advance planning, but resting on His Word and His person and His work and His power. I and you are going through. 